0: So, I was thinking uh, this week about uh, what I would share with you guys this morning, and uh, Ann and I, and my wife and I were uh, talking about uh, some things. And I realized that many of you don't really know me that well. Some of you, you know, we've played golf together, or whatever, so we knew, know each other a little bit better, or you come to some of the Thursday night groups, and we've hung out, you know, at Winbury's afterwards and talked and stuff. But a lot of you don't know me as more than the guy that stands up here and gives the announcements, you know, every Sunday morning, and uh, sometimes, you know, jokes a little bit with Rich and Steve. So I thought I would start off by talking with you about my journey of faith and give you a little picture into who I am, sort of a, a little bit Bit of a biographical sketch because it really leads into uh, this morning's message well and really fits well with our year verse. And uh, I grew up in what I would call an unchurched family. Uh, we never went to church. Um, I think I went once when I was in uh, grammar school with a couple of friends. I slept over at their house and they invited me to uh, go to church the next morning with them. So I went. I remember absolutely nothing about it. Zero. It was totally meaningless to me at the time. And in fact, my father uh, was from a Lutheran background and my mom was from a Jewish background, which was really interesting, especially in that day and age when they were married, you know, when they were first married and the whole thing there. And so we kind Kind of had uh, religious detente in our family. You know, wasn't a Cold War? There was no animosity between them. They just agreed to have the lowest common denominator, which was nothing. You know, uh, we didn't go to church. We didn't go to synagogue. We celebrated Christmas and Hanukkah as uh, secular holidays, absolutely devoid of all religious content. As far as I was concerned, Jesus Christ was a great swear word. Protestant was a toothpaste, and you know, I knew zero. You know, I knew absolutely nothing. I had friends who went to church, and uh, you know, for them, it was just uh, a bunch of rules and regulations, and. Uh, meaningless to them. In fact, one of the, the things that really uh, kind of almost turned me off to the whole thing about uh, God was talking to some of my friends who, when they got to a certain stage in their training, in their church training, they were considered, I don't know if the right term is, adults in the eyes of the church. I think they called it confirmation in their church or whatever it is. And they were allowed to make decisions for themselves as far as their continued relationship with the church was concerned. And I remember almost every single one of them, the first decision that they made when they got to that point was, I'm not going to church anymore. And I'm thinking, oh, this makes a lot of sense. You go through all this training and all this stuff, and the first decision that all of you make is to stop going to church. Something is wrong with this picture. And so from my perspective, I had absolutely no interest uh, in anything to do with God or anything to do with Jesus. And, and frankly, neither did they. And you know, I'm sure that things were well-meaning at their church, but for them, it wasn't working, and it, it didn't mean something to them. Now... I say I grew up in an unchurched home, but that doesn't mean that it was a, a home that had absolutely no spirituality in it. And as I look back now, I realize there was actually a fair amount of spirituality, just sort of a, of a different kind. For example, we grew up doing transcendental meditation. And any of you who are sort of like in your 30s, 40s, 50s may have run into this whole Maharishi, Mahesh Yogi kind of thing, and you, know, you have this mantra and, and all this. And at the time, I didn't know that it had anything to do with God or gods or anything like that. Now I have a much better understanding of I haven't realized it has a lot to do actually with, with uh, Hinduism and, and some other Eastern religions. But at the time, for me, it was just sort of this spiritual opportunity to kind of get in touch with myself and relax and that sort of thing. My father uh, would smoke marijuana in the living room, you know, because it was helpful. Yeah, it's true, it, you know, it's helpful to him just in relaxing this sort of thing. He would do astrology and, you know, and, and read the I Ching, which is an ancient Chinese philosophy and this sort of thing. So there's a lot a lot of spirituality going on in our house, uh, and this was during the 60s and the early 70s, and, you know, I had the whole long hair thing, and, you know, my hair was as longer longer than Jimmy's, and I could play the guitar back then. Now I've cut my hair, I can't play the guitar anymore, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, and it's, it's uh, well, I never could play it that well back then either, but, you know, the whole thing, and it, this was the kind of life that I, that I grew up with. And uh, one day my father was trying to find some music on the radio, some rock music, you know, the Stones or the Beatles or Pink Floyd or whatever he wanted to listen to. And he accidentally ran across a uh, radio station where they were talking about Jesus. And to this day, the only explanation I have as to why he actually stopped to listen to this radio station, which, by the way, you know, guitars would not be played on this radio station. If they used musical instruments, it was like a pipe organ, you know, and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Why did he stop? I think it must have been the work of God to get him to stop and to listen to this because he really didn't have that much interest in Jesus or or God or or anything like that. But he stopped to listen. And over a period of several months, he came to the point where he said, you know what? I think I ought to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, he did. He became a follower of Jesus. And it really transformed his life. And then over the next few weeks, he started talking to me about Jesus. And, you know, I knew nothing I had, and at first I had no interest, but it was my father, so I listened to what he had to say, and again, after several weeks, I came to the point where I said, you know, I really believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose again, and I want to follow after him, I want to know him, this God who loved me this much, that he'd come and die for me, I want to know him, and I want to follow after him with my life. And so I went from being, I wouldn't even call myself, you know, an atheist in the, in the in the one sense of the word, that I disbelieved in God. I was atheist in the sense that God was irrelevant to me. I went from that stage to becoming a follower of Christ. And this was really the work of God in my life. And I started going to church on Sundays. uh, got involved in a uh, Bible study for teens in my town and learned and grew and and just really uh, became more and more of a follower of Christ. And so all this is going on, and we've kind of left my mom to the side here now, you know, the Jewish mom, okay? And for those of you, I know there are you know, a few folks from a Jewish background here, and we've had some good times talking about, you know, Jewish American princess and that sort of thing. If you don't know what that is, you're not Jewish, so don't worry about it. Um, you know, have some good jokes and that sort of thing. <laughs> So my mom, okay, Jews and Jesus don't mix. This is a problem, okay? The detente is over, and I wouldn't even call it a cold war. It's more of a little bit, the the war has gotten a little bit warm here, you know, at this point. And so mom starts praying, and she says, God, I want you to show me from the Old Testament, which is the the Jewish Bible, I want you to show me that Jesus is not the Jewish Messiah. Because this is what my father's starting to tell her, that Jesus is the Messiah, and you've missed him. Good, you know, that didn't go over so well here. Okay. So mom starts praying and she starts reading the old testament she starts reading the jewish bible to try to save me and my brother from this horrible fate she says, forget my dad that's not nothing's going to happen there but at least you know i can save save my kids and she comes to a passage written by the prophet jeremiah about god is going to make a new covenant with his people a new agreement with them and he's going to work in their hearts and change their hearts and they're going to want to follow after him and she says oh my goodness Jesus is the Messiah, because she'd been reading about Jesus, too, and she comes to the point where she becomes a follower of Jesus. So in the span of about six months, my entire family went from absolutely unchurched, absolutely no religion whatsoever, to becoming followers of Jesus. And, you know, we, as I said before, we started growing and learning, and uh, I went off to college, went to Princeton, you know, down the road here a little bit, and... Uh, learned a ton there from some other followers of Jesus and and grew in my faith, graduated from there, went off and did uh, some computer work uh, for a number of years as an engineer and as a manager. And the more that I read the Bible and the more that I learned about God and, and followed after Jesus, the more I, I realized this is what I want to be doing with my life. And I love the engineering work and I love being a manager, you know, if for Unisys, but I really, really was most excited about helping people to come to know God and grow in their relationship with him. So I went off to seminary, squeezed a four-year master's degree into five years, had a great, you know, <laughs> great time doing it, learned a lot of things there, grew in my faith, and then I ended up, I had not expected this, I ended up back at Princeton as a chaplain there, working with students and helping them to discover who Jesus is and learn to follow after him, and I learned a ton from From these folks that I was was uh, working with there, you just they would ask question after question after question, and I realized that so many of the answers that I had heard in church and other places just didn't cut it when you're talking to people who really think ultra-deeply about some of these things and really want to know how does this make a difference in my life on a day-to-day basis. So it caused me to re-examine some things and to learn and to continue to grow. And what I want you to see here is that for me, it was a path that began about as far away from God as you could. And it's a path that's continuing today, even now, as I've been here at Renaissance for a year and a half, where I'm continuing to grow in my relationship with God. I'm continuing to follow after Jesus. I've got more to learn. I've got more to live. I've got more to change. And it's just an exciting adventure where I went from here all the way to here and I've still got further to go in terms of following after God." And that's why I'm here. That's why Rich is here. That's why Steve's here. That's what Renaissance is about. It's, it's helping people wherever you are in the spiritual spectrum, whether it's unchurched, whether it's interested in Jesus, whether you're a follower of Christ, we want to help you to grow in your relationship with God. And that's what we're here for. And that's why we chose our year verse, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, because the, the content of that verse, what Jesus has said to us there is what drives us in uh, in our ministry. What's, it's what gets us up in the morning. What, it's what keeps us coming back on Sunday mornings to talk to you guys about Jesus. On Thursday during the day at the women's groups, Thursday night, wherever it may be, that's, this is what we're about. And so I want to take a look at this. And Rich mentioned, you know, worked with it some last week. We're going to continue on this week. And we'll actually hear about it again a few times throughout the year. So take a look on the screen with, uh, with me at Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. These are some of Jesus' last words to his followers, one of the last things that he said to them. He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, and as Rich mentioned last week, this word disciple, when he says go and make disciples, it's not a word that we normally use in our everyday conversation. As Rich mentioned last week, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone who's learning, who's being taught. Someone who's following is another way of looking at it. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples, to his followers, and he's saying go out and make other followers, gather other people. Who are going to join you in following after me, because that's the best possible thing for them. And that's who we are. We're just followers of Jesus who are saying to y'all, hey, y'all, come on and follow. You know, I grew up in Connecticut, but my wife's from Atlanta. So, hey, y'all, come and follow after, you know, follow, not after me, but after Jesus. And that's that's what we're doing. And last week, Rich mentioned, you know, there are really two parts uh, to this command that Jesus gives to make disciples. First part is reaching. Second part is teaching. And Rich talked last week about the reaching aspect. And that's what we're doing here at Renaissance. We're saying to people from whatever background, you know, unchurched or partly churched, or, you know, you've been in church all your life, hey, we want to reach out and say, come on in and let's talk about Jesus. Let's explore. Let's explore who he is. Let's explore what it means to be a follower of him. And that's what we're about here at Renaissance. But we're also about the back half of that command, the teaching. And Jesus says in verse 20, he says, uh, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, as I was just thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, I realized that if I had heard that Back when I was over here, back when I was really unchurched, it would have sounded to me exactly like the sort of rules and regulations and rituals that my friends were really rebelling against and that had absolutely no attraction to me. He says, teach them to obey all these commands. There you go. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. You know, Jesus spoke in King James English even with the thou shalts and this sort of, you know, is that what it's all about? And I, you know I, at that time, I think that's how I would have understood it, but that was because I hadn't really read the Bible at all i wasn't familiar with who Jesus was and what he taught and how he taught and how he related to his followers to his disciples and if you've spent any time looking through the New Testament, especially the four Gospels Matthew Mark Luke, and John which are really four different short biography biographies of Jesus, you realize that you know Jesus is not about a bunch of rules and regulations and rituals yeah there are places where Jesus will say, you know, do this or don't do that. You know, it's wrong to murder. It's good to love your neighbor, you know, and and those sorts of things. So he's going to say those sorts of things but if you really look at how he interacted with his disciples, with his followers, how he taught them, it wasn't a bunch of rules and regulations, it was a relationship. It was how to have a relationship with him and, and with one another, and it all fed into that. And it made me think of a passage uh, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, and we're going to put that up on the screen for you here, and it's really a summary of all that uh, Jesus was, was teaching and now you need a little bit of background here there are going to be two groups that are talked about the Sadducees and the Pharisees and these were two different sects or you could almost say denominations not exactly but uh, groups within Judaism they were the uh, two different groups of leaders within the Jewish faith at that time and these two groups were always clashing with one another and always clashing with Jesus and they're always trying to trip up Jesus kind of like it makes me think of, of like the way some reporters are with different politicians, you know, today. They're always asking a question that no matter how you answer the question, you're in trouble. You're going to look like an idiot no matter what you say. And that's what they're trying to do to Jesus here. And uh, so they say, uh, in verse 34, Matthew says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Sadducees, that group had tried to, to get Jesus and they couldn't. And so the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now that question can be asked in a very innocent and very good way. That's not how this guy was asking it. He's trying to get Jesus to give him a definitive answer because he knows that whatever Jesus says, he's going to have to leave something out. And he's going to say, oh yeah? Why is that commandment the greatest? What about this one? Isn't that equally as great? You know, what are you going to say, Jesus? So no matter what Jesus says, this guy thinks he's going to trap him here and and, and make him look like an idiot. Jesus, however, replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love love your neighbor as yourself. And then here's the key all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments love God, love your neighbor, love God, love people. All the law and the prophets, that's referring to the Jewish Bible, to the Hebrew scriptures, to the Old Testament. Every command in there hangs on these two. Love God, love your neighbor. Everything fits under that. Whether it's don't murder... That fits both actually with God and with man, whether it's don't steal, whether it's worship God alone, whatever it may be, it fits under those two. And so what Jesus is doing is he is summarizing for these legalistic, ritualistic rules and regulations oriented people. He's summarizing all of the commandments in terms of two relationships. The relationship with God and the relationship with people. And it's just brilliant. And that's what Jesus is about. So when he gives us a commandment to live in a particular way, it all comes back to, Loving God and loving people, it all comes back to those two key relationships. And this is something that there is no way that I would have understood when I was far away from God. But as I've grown closer and closer and closer, I've realized that ultimately what God is looking for is a heart that is in tune with his and loves those around me, which is what God does. He shows us his love and he wants us to show that same love to those around us. And so uh, we here at Renaissance want to be a a resource for you guys in in this way. We want to help you to grow in your relationship with God wherever you are across what we might call a spiritual spectrum, whether you're far away from God or whether you're fairly close to him. We want to be able to help you to grow closer and closer to him. So think about it for a minute. Some people would, would be where I was maybe when I was growing up. You know, you're far away from God God is essentially irrelevant to you. Uh, maybe you're here this morning, and from time to time, there are folks like that who come to Renaissance. Maybe you're here this morning like that. You came because a friend invited you to come, told you there was some great music, and uh, you know there was going to be an inter- interesting speaker here. He thought Rich was speaking, didn't realize I was going to be here. You know, Maybe he told you about the announcements, too. And if they did, I would love to meet you if they you know told you that the announcements were going to be great. No, but seriously, so you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, okay, interesting i 'm just not that i 'm just not that interested in finding out more about god. i had a friend like that. Uh, her name was Sharon, and uh, Sharon grew up in, a, in an atheistic home, uh, much more hardcore though than the home in which I grew up. She actively disbelieved in God. She was convinced uh, that God did not exist, and uh, God did exist, and in his sense of humor. He put her, her freshman year, with a very strong follower of Jesus as her roommate. And uh, I think God had a sense of humor for both of them because it was a challenge for the two of them. And uh, they're really good friends now, but at first they had some, some real difficulties. And uh, so Sharon and her roommate uh, were just talking and they would argue back and forth with one another and they would clash, uh, but her roommate kept loving her and kept showing her the love of Jesus. And over a period of time, Sharon, over a period of several months, and really actually over a year, came to the point where she believed, okay, God exists. But I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. And then she started working through that. And eventually she came to the point where she became a follower of Jesus. And uh, she moved from there to here and she's continuing to grow in her relationship with God. So if that's where you are, we're glad you're here. I mean, Renaissance is a great place for you to be if you're someone who is kind of pretty far from God. And my encouragement to you, the, the one thing I hope that you will do in 2009 is come back to Renaissance next week and the week after and the month after that and start asking questions. You know, there is no question that we are afraid uh, for you to, to ask us. We want this to be a place where you can explore, where you can find out, uh, as you're on your way out, take a look at the book rack down on the second floor. There's some great books there that answer some of the questions. And if, if you don't find something there, that's helpful. Talk to me, talk to rich Steve, you know, friend who brought you here. We'd love to hook you up with some resources. that can help you just to kind of think through some of these things. As you start asking questions, we'd love for you to join us, uh, in that way maybe you are uh, several steps further down the road and you believe that god exists and uh, you have faith in god and you pray uh but you're not so sure about this whole Jesus thing. Yeah, you believe that Jesus was a great teacher, and you really actually appreciated uh, Rich's series on the Sermon on the Mount and some of the ways in which Jesus talked about how we live our lives, and you're actually trying to pattern your life that way, but you don't consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus for whatever reason, and those reasons can be as varied as the number of people there are uh, in this room this morning. And uh, so you're, you're an explorer. You're exploring, trying to figure out more about who Jesus is. And uh, there was a student who I knew, uh, who I called John. And uh, John came to Princeton his freshman year, and he was definitely exploring. He had grown up in a home uh, where he was taught to believe in God, and he was taught uh, about Jesus, but he was definitely not a follower of Jesus, though he was a person of, uh, of fairly strong faith in God and he started asking question after question after question he sought me and some others out to just to to explore and to ask more questions i remember one of the questions he asked we were sitting uh, eating ice cream he says okay, so why did Jesus have to actually die on a cross? Couldn't a God have accomplished his purpose in some other way? And I had to sit there and say, well, they didn't talk about that in seminary. Was there some other way of doing it? You know, and, and he asked that incredibly good question. And then he said, okay, so, all right, I got the whole thing about Jesus dying. What would have happened like if he had just stayed in the grave and had never risen again? What would that do to the whole faith in Jesus kind of thing? And question after question after question. And again, over a period of several months, he explored and he got to relate to other followers of Christ. And he came to the point where he said, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't think he actually decided one day to become a follower of Jesus. I think he kind of woke up and said, you know, somewhere along the way, I think I've become a follower of Jesus. You know, and that's the way that it worked for him. And today he's a pastor helping others to continue on in their uh, spiritual journey growing closer to Jesus. And some of you are followers of Jesus, and you've been followers of Jesus uh, you know, for months or years, maybe decades you still have some growing to do as well. I still have some growing to do as well. And we want Renaissance to be a place where you can grow just like the folks who are further away from God, the folks who are exploring, and the folks, you know, those of us who are growing in Jesus need to continue to grow as followers of Jesus. We want to experience more of what it means to be a follower of of Jesus Christ in the real world. And I think of a friend, uh, Amy, who I knew, And uh, Amy is still a good friend. She grew up in a home where she learned about Jesus, and she was really a follower of Jesus uh, her entire life. She can't, I I was asking her about this recently, she can't think of a time uh, when she was not a follower of Jesus. And when I met her, she loved God, she loved Jesus, but she didn't really know a whole lot about him. Didn't really know much about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so she got involved with some folks and in a church where she was taught and where she could learn more about him, where she could learn how to read the Bible on her own, because she really didn't know how to do that, you know, and, and how to get something out of it, not just have her eyes pass over the page. How to pray in a meaningful, non ritualistic way. And as she did that, her faith in God was strengthened and she grew closer and closer to God and she's still continuing even to this day to grow closer to God and to follow after him and to help others to grow in their relationship with him. Uh, and so maybe you're in in that stage. You know. Uh, what I would encourage you to do is stick with us here at Renaissance. Get involved maybe in one of the Thursday groups uh, where we do different Bible studies and different book studies. That'd be great for those of you who are exploring as well and even those of you who are further away. We'd love to have you be involved in, in, in some of those groups. But if you're growing in your relationship with God and want to continue on, one great way to do that is to be involved in Vespers on Sunday night. It's, it's something that we do once a month as followers of Jesus to help us to grow in our relationship with him. And as far as, as Renaissance overall is concerned, 2009, and this is why we chose this this verse as our year verse, 2009 is a year in which we want to strengthen our ability to help you guys to grow in your relationship with God, to help people all along the spiritual spectrum to grow in their relationship with God. And I think we do a pretty good job for the folks over here who are further away from God, creating an environment where on Sunday mornings and at other times during the week you can come and you can explore and you can hear a message that relates to you and you can ask questions and get involved and, and, and those sorts of things and we also do a pretty good job of helping folks who are exploring trying to figure out okay i believe in god and i want to grow and i want to learn more and maybe i want to become a follower of jesus i'm not quite sure about that yet we want to strengthen the way that we help folks in these areas and we also want to strengthen helping folks who are growing in their relationship with God. So one of the things that we're planning to start probably in February maybe in March, it depends on when uh, the construction on the second floor is finished so that we can open up some space in some other rooms we want to start a discussion oriented group during the ten fifteen service where folks can come and ask questions and maybe look at the Bible together and just kind of talk through some things, some of the implications of what it means to be a follower of Christ. So wherever you are in the spiritual spectrum, that might be a helpful resource to you we 've had a number of people uh, say to us in, in the last uh, few months, they would really like the opportunity to serve at Renaissance. And this is actually folks all across the spiritual spectrum, but especially some folks who are followers of Christ who feel like this would be helpful in terms of living out their faith. They want to be able to serve more at Renaissance. So something we 're trying to do is to, cre- to create and to provide some opportunities for you to be involved in that, so we 'll be telling you more about that as time goes on we 've got some other ideas that we're talking and praying through, we'll be be mentioning those throughout the year. What I want to say to you and what I think Rich and Steve as we were talking about this uh, in preparation want to say to you is we want you wherever you are in the spiritual spectrum, wherever you are in your journey towards Jesus, we want to be a resource with you. We want you to join us in that journey and we want to partner with you in helping you to explore and to experience what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we'd love for you to partner with us in helping others to explore and experience what it means to be a follower of Christ. So we're excited wherever you are in your spiritual journey. We're excited to have you with us here. We'd love for you to keep coming out. We'd love for you to participate and to grow. And my prayer for all of us, wherever we are along that spectrum, is that 2009 would be a year where we'd look back in December and say, I'm closer to God now than when when uh, 2009 began in January. I've grown closer to God, and that would be my prayer for all of us, that we would grow as followers of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you Uh, that you've given us the privilege to follow after your son that you've given us the privilege through him to know you and to have a relationship with you and I pray that uh, this year each of us who's here in the auditorium this morning would grow closer to you whether we're very far from you not even sure whether you exist or whether we are uh, we know you're there but uh, we don't really think of ourselves as having a relationship with you or whether we've been following after you for, uh, for as long as we can remember I pray that each of us would grow closer to you you, that our love for you would grow, that our love for those around us would grow, and that when others look at us, they would see Jesus in us, and that they would be attracted to him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.